Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the eighth episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking about my time in Peru. I spent about three and a half months there. I think that was in 2016, so this was a while ago, but I'm also going to be talking a little bit about how to travel well on a very strict budget because I had no money. (laughs) But first, let us, of course, start with our cocktail of the week. This week, I'm going to be telling you guys about Pisco Sour. The first time I ever even heard of Pisco was in Peru and I remember my very first Pisco Sour because there's like a little bit of a creepy story about it and I will definitely tell you but first I want to tell you what a Pisco Sour actually is. So Pisco Sour starts with two ounces of Pisco, one ounce of fresh lime juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and an egg white. And then you can garnish with Angostura bitters if you like. Make sure that you're dry shaking the egg white. So dry shake, no ice is what I mean by dry shake. There's science behind it and I couldn't tell you what it is. So just make sure that you do it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it, but we don't want anyone getting sick from egg white. And if you don't feel confident using egg white, there are other recipes out there that don't include it. So before I tell you the story about my first Pisco Sour, I want to kind of set the scene for how and why I ended up in Peru in the first place. I bought a one-way ticket to Peru maybe 10 days before I left. So July 4th, I bought that ticket. I think it cost me like 150 bucks. (laughs) And I was already planning on going to LA with some friends, maybe July 10th or something like that. And then I was obviously going to fly back home to Seattle after that long weekend in LA. But I decided instead to hop down to Lima. I had a friend, his name is Nick. He was traveling the world at the time. So he had saved up a bunch of money and was just like indefinitely traveling the world. And I think he'd been going for two or three years at that point. And he happened to be in Peru and I happened to not want to be in Seattle and just kind of reset my brain a little bit. I had just graduated college. I was working a really bad retail job. Actually, it wasn't the worst retail job I ever worked. I worked a shittier one, (laughs) a way shittier one when I got back from Peru, ironically, but I was working a job I didn't want to be working and I was really lost direction-wise. I really just didn't know what I wanted or who I wanted to be. And, you know, like I was an angsty (laughs) 22-year-old. So... I knew Nick was there. I knew that he could set up a workstay situation, which if you don't know what workstay is, essentially you work for your stay. (laughs) So different hostels and eco farms and all these different kinds of businesses will essentially put you up for free. You can stay with them for free, but you work and you don't get paid. I mean, you get paid in, in a free place to stay. So it kind of works out. But I knew my friend Nick had been doing this and I knew he could essentially just like add me on to what he was already doing. And though I was really unsure about the whole thing because I really, I had like no money. I mean, I was working a $10 an hour job and not even full time. So I was not making a ton of money, which $10 an hour in Seattle isn't a lot, just so you guys know. <laughs> I know in other places, like minimum wage is like $7.25, but minimum wage at the time was $15 an hour, but not for small businesses. So I was working for a small business and I was still making $10 an hour. Anyway, I think I had maybe $1,000, maybe $1,200 total to my name at that point, but I was living with my dad, so I wasn't paying rent and I knew that I wouldn't have any major expenses while I was gone other than like, I mean, my cell phone and maybe a couple other like small things. I was paying off my student loans, but nothing giant at the time. So I thought, what the hell? Like, we're just gonna do it. And so 
I flew to Lima and then from there flew to Arequipa, which I'm sure that I'm not pronouncing that right. And I'm sure this will not be the last time in this episode where I mispronounce something. I'm sorry in advance. I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker. (laughs) I did learn a lot of Spanish while I was there, but I've forgotten it all. So I'm sorry in advance for mispronouncing everything. But from Lima, I flew to Arequipa. From Arequipa, I got on a bus and I don't remember exactly how long it lasted, but it felt like an entire day. Like it felt like a 12 hour bus ride. I'm pretty sure it was only like four or five hours, but I was so tired (laughs) and it was hot, which I don't do well with hot. Anyway, so I take this bus to a small little town called Cabana Conde and it is right on the edge of the Colca Canyon. So the Colca Canyon is where I would be working for the next month. Nick was like a day ahead of me. So he was already down like in the canyon with no cell service or Wi-Fi or anything like that. So before he had gone down there, he sent me some instructions and... (laughs) I really had no clue what I was getting myself into. So I got off the bus in Cabana Conde and the directions that I had were turn left at the church, walk down until you see a purple house, knock on the door and tell them that you're Nick's friend. (laughs) And so I didn't know if turn left at the church meant to look at the church and turn left or like pass the church and turn left or if it was like go to the street to the left of the church that was like straight past the church, but like on the left-hand side. I mean, this town is tiny. And so I just kept asking people where the purple house was and they would point me in a different direction every single time. And so I walked around (laughs) for, I don't even know how long, maybe an hour, (laughs) way too long in this tiny little town that like didn't have that many streets to go down. But eventually I did find the purple house and it should also be noted, all I had was a tiny backpack. And when I say backpack, I don't mean like an actual backpacking backpack. I mean like a school backpack. That's all I had with me. And it had my laptop in it. It had two or three shirts, two or three pairs of shorts, maybe a pair of pants. I think I did have like one pair of jeans and a dress and like a swimsuit. And I had my chacos were the only shoes I had with me. No, that's not true. I had my chacos and a pair of tennis shoes and the tennis shoes were like tied to the outside of the backpack because it was so full. So I had like nothing on me so I could walk around for an hour. It was fine. So essentially I had the amount of luggage you would have for a three-day weekend in LA (laughs) and I was not necessarily prepared to have a three and a half month trip to Peru, but it's fine. Everything worked out fine. It really taught me that I could um, exist on a lot less than I thought, but I will say finally getting home after that trip and having more than three shirts to choose from was a blessing. (laughs) Back to the story. I was in Cabana Conde. I found the purple house. I knocked on the door and this guy answers and I don't remember his name. I'm sure that Nick would know if I texted him and asked, but it doesn't matter. His his name was whatever it was. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that he wasn't trustworthy, but like he's this strange man that I don't know. And I'm in this small town in Peru without any cell service or Wi-Fi. And really no one knows where I was. I mean, my dad didn't even know where I was, which actually caused a lot of issues, which we don't have to talk about. But um, (laughs) I didn't know where I was going. So it's hard to tell someone where I was when I didn't know where I was going. But it's like very obviously a hostel inside this purple house. Like there's their room set up with like multiple beds and you can kind of tell it's a hostel, but no one else is really there, which is, I mean, it's not super surprising because this town is so small. And, and so I don't really think much of it, but I definitely like, I had a room to myself at this hostel, even though there were like eight other beds in there. And so I like remember pushing furniture in front of the door. (laughs) 
just to make sure that the guy who owned it like didn't come in and he didn't so like I got there in the morning time I don't remember what day how long it took me to get there I was so exhausted but I got there at maybe like 9 or 10 in the morning and I needed to sleep so I slept and woke up around dinner time and I was just gonna kind of like explore the town to try and find somewhere to eat dinner but when I walked out of my room the guy was there and he was like oh like I'll make you dinner and I was like okay so he made food and then he made pisco sours and this was the first time I had ever had a pisco sour and he kept like trying to get me to drink more and trying to get me to drink more and I was like okay dude you really can't read a room I don't know you I obviously am not going to get drunk right now with you like when I don't know who you are and I don't know where I am but also I'm exhausted like I've been traveling for days and like the last thing I want to do is drink I want to go back to sleep like thanks for the food and then he was trying to like read my aura which like he didn't speak fluent English and I obviously don't speak fluent Spanish so some things definitely could have been lost in translation but I think he was trying to like read my aura and like wanted to understand (laughs) I don't know I don't know guys I was so sleep deprived and exhausted that I definitely could have been misinterpreting what was going on but either way it was definitely um not my finest hour I was like definitely freaked out and I (laughs) didn't end up sleeping much that night because I was so concerned that that I wasn't safe But all's well that ends well. I was safe. Like, nothing happened. He didn't try and, like, break in the room or anything like that. And honestly, I could have just been overly paranoid. But the next day... I, he was supposed to tell me how to get down into the canyon where I would be staying and where Nick was. So I woke up and he was like, yeah, just like walk that way and like pointed down the opposite way of town. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, how long is it? Like how long it was taking? He was like, oh, it's easy walk. Just like, I mean, and again, we don't speak each other's language. So I definitely could have misunderstood what he was trying to say to me. But what I took away was like, it's an easy walk just right down there. Just like head down like that way. And I was like, okay, great. Three hours later, (laughs) I'm still hiking down the side of this canyon and in Chacos. I started the day in Chacos and jeans. So halfway through, I had to try and change like on this trail and it was a struggle. It was so hot and so rocky and dusty and slippery. I just was not prepared for what I was getting into. I just didn't have any information (laughs) going into it, which I I was like totally fine with honestly like it was so fun not knowing what was going on like the adventure of it but it was a struggle <laughs> so I finally get down into the canyon and yay there's Nick and here's where we're gonna be working and essentially what it is is it's like an eco hostel so they have chickens and guinea pigs and there's a, like a couple goats I'm trying to think of what other animals like a few other animals and and they grow some things. I don't quite remember what they grow. Obviously, my brain is failing, but it's like a little bitty farm, but then mostly it's a hostel, and they have a kitchen, and they feed hikers that come through the canyon, and think of like the Grand Canyon. So like down in the bottom, there are all those hotels and stuff. It's like essentially that. There are like four hostels total, I think, at the bottom of this canyon, and so we're at one of them, and there's a pool, and there's all these little like cottages. It's kind of cute. Our job essentially was we would work six days. We'd have one day off every week, and we essentially just were like an extra set of hands to do all the things 
things that no one else wanted to do. <laughs> so we'd wake up at like five in the morning and do all the dishes from the night before because as I mentioned, they had like a, a kitchen with, I mean, restaurant is like a stretch, but a kitchen to where they made food for all of the people staying there. So in the morning we do all the dishes and then get started on cleaning all of the rooms and making the beds and all of that fun stuff. <laughs> Sweeping up all the rooms and kind of tidying up all the all the little areas that the guests were staying. And then we would do any other random little tasks. So sometimes it was helping like move and break rocks. I remember doing that for some reason and I can't tell you if it was a dream or not, but... <laughs> But just maintain like feeding the pigs. Oh, I remember feeding the pigs. Yeah, I definitely remember doing that. And other like random little things. And then we would have a couple hours off in the afternoon where we would try and learn Spanish because everyone there spoke Spanish except for me and Nick. So our options were to talk to each other or learn Spanish. So we learned Spanish <laughs> and we would teach them some English and they would teach us some Spanish. We would play cards. We would watch movies that Nick had downloaded on his computer, which I think was like Deadpool and Game of Thrones. I think those were the only two things that we watched. <laughs> and then we could also like hang out by the pool or we could go for a hike. Honestly, we didn't do that like super often. Most of the time that was saved for days off because we were exhausted. But every once in a while we would go for a hike. There was like this tiny, tiny, I mean like the village at the very top was super tiny. But then on the other side of the canyon, if you went like halfway up, there was... I mean, town isn't even what I would call it. It was just this like string of maybe 10 buildings and a couple of them would sell things. I don't even know what to call it. It was just like a tiny little settlement, but it was the closest place to us where we could buy things. And so we'd go there and I bought a lot of Oreos and chocolate milk. But some of the things I remember most about that time, one was that I would not have survived if I had to live on a farm full time or I might have survived, but I would have been a vegetarian because one night they brought a chicken into the kitchen and they were like petting it and joking around. And then all of a sudden they like slit its throat and put it in a bucket to drain all the blood out. And I just remember the smell of it was the oh, it was so bad. It was so gross. I'm so sorry for sharing this. I probably should put a warning at the beginning of the story, but whatever. Chicken is my favorite food. I call myself a fried chicken connoisseur. Like I eat chicken every single day. I couldn't eat chicken for like a week after that because it just turned my stomach so much. And then they also did the same to a guinea pig one night. Guinea pig is like a delicacy in Peru, so they had some big spender come through. I mean, it was like some German hiker who wanted to try guinea pig, and so they killed one of the guinea pigs, and that was also pretty traumatic. But it was really cool being down there because, again, no Wi-Fi, no connection, so a really big brain reset for me. The stars were gorgeous, so like at nighttime, looking up and, and feeling so disconnected from everything you know, but like very connected to where you are right now. It, it's, it was like a really cool experience for sure. Something else that happened was one night we were watching a movie. It was a guy who worked there. His name was Wilfredo, so he spoke Spanish and me and Nick, and we were all watching Deadpool. I think it was in English, but we had the Spanish subtitles on so Wilfredo could watch with us or something like that. And we were sitting there watching and all of a sudden everything started shaking, like the ground started shaking. <laughs> and I was kind of half asleep because I can't stay awake for a movie to save my life. And I thought that there were horses running by. And so I was so confused and I got up to go and like see the horses. Let me also tell you, there were no horses there. Like I had not seen a horse in this canyon. So there 
there was no reason for me to think that there were horses there other than the fact that like that's the only thing that my brain could wrap its mind around. Obviously it was an earthquake and so we got to a doorway and stood like waited it out and then the scariest part was we were in a canyon and so there were rock slides happening kind of all around us and so standing there on like the soccer field essentially I mean it wasn't as big as a soccer field but where we would play soccer looking up at the top of the canyon and the sides of the canyon where all these rocks were coming down and just praying that none of them came to where we were which they didn't it damaged some of like the water um sources and we had to go and fix it but overall like it didn't come all the way down and it was fine but it was absolutely terrifying (laughs) and it's the first earthquake I remember living through I know that I've slept through another earthquake at least one other earthquake so I wouldn't be surprised to find that I've slept through many but this was one that I was actually I remember living through (laughs) it was a really fun experience overall I like I said, learned a lot of Spanish. We had a lot of nights of like people starting to dance in the kitchen. I mean, it, it was hard work and really long hours, or at least it felt <laughs> felt like it was. But I feel like I was able to identify a lot more of what I wanted after I left Peru because I didn't have these distractions, because I didn't have friends and family saying, this is what you should be. This is what you should be doing. This is who you are. I had to spend time figuring that out on my own. And there was a lot of concentrated alone time, which I think is something that we're all experiencing right now, being in quarantine, having to face yourself like full on like that and really start narrowing down like where you want to go from here is difficult. I got out of that month in the canyon and I was like, I want to be a writer and I'm not a writer guys. (laughs) So it's not even like I figured it out and I had this great epiphany, but it put me on a track to start figuring it out. And I think just the time away from everything known was what I really needed. Once we were done with our stint in the canyon, we had set up another work stay closer to Machu Picchu. As I mentioned, Nick was in Peru before I got there, so he had already been to Machu Picchu, so I still wanted to go. And so it kind of worked out that we were in the Sacred Valley, which is where Machu Picchu is, um, right outside of Cusco for our second work stay, which I that's going to have to be its own like second episode because we just don't have time. Oh, I'm actually remembering something that was (laughs) as silly as it sounds like life altering to me. So I'm allergic to cats and dogs or like pet dander. I don't really know exactly, but like I get all eyes watery and red and sneezy and horrible around pets. And so when we were in the canyon, there was this tiny little kitten, Gatita. (laughs) And I fell in love with Gatita and like I would just sit for hours, (laughs) let her sit in my lap for hours or like she would climb up on my shoulder and like sit behind my head. It was weird. And I've never fallen in love with a cat as much as I fell in love with Gatita, but it breaks my heart to know that she's not Gatita anymore. Like she's a full grown cat. So I'm happy that I just only remember her as a kitten. Anyway, once we were done in that month in the canyon, we made our way to Arequipa. We had maybe three or four days. I don't remember exactly how long, but a few days before our next work stay started in the Sacred Valley. So I remember getting to Arequipa and thinking like, wow, this town is so big. And it's not, it's a small town, but compared to no town, (laughs) compared to living on a farm for a month, it was just like giant and they had everything and they had, I'm pretty sure there was a Starbucks there. And I was like, oh my gosh, civilization. (laughs) But after a few days in Arequipa, we went to our second work stay, which was another month of 
working and staying, <laughs> which also included my trip to Machu Picchu, which I will definitely tell you about because it was something else. <laughs> and then from there, we did like a road trip all the way up kind of the coast. Road trip's not the right word because we didn't have a car. Bus trip all the way up the coast to the Amazon. So that will probably also have to be its own episode. I know that most people who go to Peru go to Lima, go to Cusco, go to Machu Picchu, but I highly recommend if you have the time to head over to the Colca Canyon. It's a giant canyon. Like, I don't remember exactly what the the deal was, but there's something like it's deeper than the Grand Canyon or something like that. It's not like as vast as the Grand Canyon, but it's something along the lines of like, it's as deep as or deeper than the Grand Canyon, which I thought was kind of cool. Because I mean, we think of like the Grand Canyon as the end all be all of canyons, but not necessarily. Anyway, and there are a lot of cool like wildlife things. There's like condors and all kinds of fun, fun things to see when you're hiking through there. If you like hiking and you're up for it, try and make your way to the Colca Canyon. It's definitely off the beaten track, but there are ways to to get there safely. You don't have to do what I did. There are like actual tours and things that I think go through there. It's so different than what you'll see at like Machu Picchu or even in Lima. Peru has so many different like ecosystems. I can't explain it, but it's not like a giant, giant country, but it offers so much. So yeah, check out the Colca Canyon if you are going to Peru and you have the time. I think that it's it's worth it. I also want to make a point of mentioning if you want to travel on a budget and you want to travel for an extended period of time, work stays are a really great way to do that. It will also put you in cities or situations that you wouldn't get if you were just a tourist staying in a hotel. You'll get to know locals a little bit more and especially for someone now as a business owner, it's definitely interesting looking back on business practices and some of the ways that they ran businesses differently in different countries. So it's definitely a really fun option if you have the time and you're not looking for a super touristy experience. And it saved me a ton of money because I didn't have to pay for a place to stay and we actually got food included too. So we didn't have to pay for a place to stay or food. And obviously like we were working most days, so it's not like we were doing like super fun things day in, day out. But especially for the amount of time that we were there, we still had plenty of time to do fun things and we weren't spending any money. Like the month that I was there, the only thing I bought were Oreos and chocolate milk. Which was pretty cheap. So I might have spent maybe $20 the entire month. Which honestly, even that feels high because everything in Peru is so cheap that I'm thinking it might have even been like half of that. I'm definitely going to do other episodes talking about Peru because again, there's just so much and I don't feel like rambling on and on and on for an hour and a half. So... I'm going to stop there, at least for this episode of Peru, but next week I'm going to be talking about some of my favorite travel apps and just a little preface, and I'm sure I'll say it again next week, but I'm not getting paid to endorse any of these apps. These are legitimately just the apps that I use most when I travel. In the meantime, if you have any questions about Peru or what to do while you're there, as I've mentioned multiple times, I spent a good chunk of time there, so I was able to do a lot. Obviously not everything, but a good bit. So if you have questions about it, hit me up and I will love to talk to you about it.